Water Power of Gazel Hate Skull. I am Hellamark Harley, and we are going to start off this episode right off the bat addressing the controversy that many of you have already probably become aware of. Yesterday on The Fighter and the Kid, I showed a clip of Andrew Tate that uh, didn't go over well. So, Casey, if you don't mind, let's just cue that up and play it right now so you people can decide for yourself. You can recite pi to 200 decimals. That's nice. But you look like a geek. So who gives a fuck? Because you ain't gonna get laid. You know when the club start reciting pie to a hoe? It's the worst <laughs> game I've ever seen. Reciting pie to a hoe. Now, obviously, this is just objectively funny because Andrew Tate is shitting on a 12-year-old or 11. Hey. Who are you giving hate of the week to? Oh, um... I was actually going to give it to, to Brendan and Brian for hating on this Andrew Tate clip. Uh, hmm. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't know you were even going to be here. That's. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll be right back. I'm going to go tell Brendan. No, don't do that. Dude, oh, Jay, I thought we were cool. What the? <sighs> Dude, you think you're friends with somebody and then they just... Did you tell him I was going to do this? Well, no, but I did see him standing there, which I thought was alarming. Oh, my, and I didn't even see... I guess my peripherals are a little bit off because I can't... It's like I was so hyper-focused on this Andrew Tate video and just my career in general that I couldn't even see what was in my blind spot, which was a snake in the grass ratting me out. It's like I was going to tell Brendan to do his hate of the week. I just didn't get around to it yet. Anyway, this brings up a more interesting conversation <laughs> about Andrew Tate. And um, there's so much to pick apart. However, I just wanted to take one little thing that I've been noticing when people discuss Andrew Tate the one phrase, and maybe Casey, you can already think of this, but here's what they'll phrase any anytime Andrew Tate comes up in conversation, guys go, I don't agree with everything he says. Before anything that he said has actually been discussed, they go, I don't agree with everything he says. Now, if you agree with everything another person says, to me, that would be the problem, right? I hope you guys don't agree with everything that I say. You know, like when I say I microdose mushrooms this morning, I hope not everybody is doing that. But, you know, if that works for you, uh, I hope that you're doing it. Now, I am putting this screenshot up here because a friend of mine, a guy named Connor, my freshman year roommate at Pomona College, who's very intelligent. He's uh, a Marine Corps officer. So he was a JAG lawyer in the Marine Corps after he went to law school. He recently graduated business. He went to Notre Dame Law School. He went to um, Georgetown Business School. So he's an accomplished academic in the sense that he's made it through school, not that he has a PhD and writes dissertations or contributes to the academic literature. But he's a smart guy who thinks. Now, if we re scroll down that page just a little bit more, he goes, have you heard this? And this is his interview with Patrick Bet David, which I do think is a good channel and he has good interviews. I think he's a good interviewer. Um, and has an eclectic perspectives on there. Have you heard this? He's so interesting. Don't agree with him, but he's smart for sure. And so I just went out of my way to say, what do you disagree with him about? And trying to not come off as confrontational or saying that I agree with him. Like before I watch, I haven't watched it, but just let me know. And I thought his response was interesting. Um, I def agree with his perspective on free speech, and I think he's highly intelligent. I think most of my disagreement is likely more on form than content. He's so quick to say brash, wild shit, sort of Trump-like, but he's actually super intelligent. So when he's pushed on those points, unlike Trump, he responds with very intelligent analysis on human nature. So upon reflection, 
I mostly just disagree with him uh, so far on style. And I think I'm a little more optimistic about the virtues of human nature. He's deaf from the streets and has this ruthless, honest appraisal of human nature. I've never uh, heard him more than a 10-second clip. I never, I never hear more than a 10-second clip from him, and he really surprised me. I love it when people surprise me. And at the end of the day, I think Connor, what I continue to love about him is the fact that he's very open-minded and positive while also being, actually, this is good, is good personality segue. He's an ESTJ. Oftentimes, I would butt heads with people who are ESTJs because they're very rule-oriented. They're very like, this is the way things should be done. It should be traditional. It should be according to a certain bureaucratic process. They want things organized. Um, you know, you can imagine me and a person like that living in <laughs> a six by six uh, cell in college, having some conflict, but we worked through it. Um, funny story. I, w I remember one time I was taking a nap. I had the worst sleep when I was a freshman. Um, like I would, I had a job over the summer that I had to get up at like 4 a.m. to go train people at the YMCA a few days of the week. And then the other days I was trying to hang out with my friends. So like my, you know, I'd like stay up till three and then like wake up at four and try to get on the schedule. And I was napping the other day and it just messed me up for like literally like a year. And I didn't understand like how to get back on this. <clears throat> now, was I also taking norandrostein? And that might have been an issue too. Yes, but that's a separate discussion. <laughs> um, because although I feel like those things didn't work, I feel like it like messed with my temperament and hormones potentially. So even when things don't work, they can still mess up your hormones. Um, but one time he had left this like reading lamp on, like a halogen lamp on and left the room like he was studying with it and I was trying to sleep. Now this actually was at night, it wasn't during the day, but instead of turning it off, I put his sheet on top of it. <laughs> like I was like, let me just cover this with a comforter because that's like, you know, that's less rude somehow than actually just turning off the person's lamp. Um, and then I woke to him coming back in the room and also like, you know, the smell in the air, uh, of a burning, uh, lycra or whatever the hell it was, polyester through the sheet. And, uh, it's something that he'll never let me forget, but I appreciate that because it was a funny moment that, you know, could I, I like, I could have woken up to actual flames, like, you know, engulfing our dorm room. But I didn't. We caught it just in time. Ha, 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 ha. Crazy kids doing their thing. So that's what I have to say as far as Connor on Andrew Tate. And I agree that it's an interesting thing where somebody becomes controversial or they become canceled or, you know, even the way that we use language about him. Instead of saying, like, you know, I whatever, I agree with him on this. People say, well, I don't agree with everything, right? It's like this big cautionary move. And then when pressed on it, now I, I think that's a more reasonable stance to take is that he doesn't like his style, essentially. So as far as the points he makes, he's like, I'm more optimistic about human nature, but as far as like the main issue that he has is the delivery. And like with that video or whatever, um, I thought it was funny because obviously being sarcastic or over the top to a degree, and it's like a commentary on like, if you were just watching that clip in isolation, you'd be like, oh, this guy is a dumbass or he's a thug or he hates kids or something like that. But it's like, it's a kernel of truth that's exaggerated. And I know he doesn't actually feel that way about 
kids, but it's just so surprising to hear somebody like rip an 11-year-old for <laughs> memorizing pi to 200 decimal places because we don't normally hear that. Everything is applauded. So I think it's funny to shit on kids sometimes is the takeaway from the segment. Now, can we go on to geriatric lifting achievements? This is a new segment here. And uh, this is me and Brian at the studio yesterday. And, you know, I let my buddy Todd borrow this 100-pound kettlebell during the pandemic. It's something that I bought. And you, too, can go on Walmart. They're super cheap. And there's, like, free delivery. If you sign up for, like, Walmart, whatever, you know, online membership, they send you these things for free with free shipping. So you can get a 100-pound kettlebell for, like, a dollar a pound. So I don't think this is much more than 100 pounds. And it's super versatile. Now, a lot of people, oh, my God, a 100-pound kettlebell. It's so heavy. But is it, though? Because as you can see here, a 90-year-old man is lifting it with one arm. And I made sure that this was a safe setup. Um, I'm not asking him to, like, do a kettlebell swing with it or a one-arm snatch or something like that. <clears throat> I'm just saying brace yourself against this post here. Uh, get an athletic stance so your weight's not too much out over your knees and row it up like that. And I think he surprised himself. And that I thought was worth sharing because – you guys, if you're out there going, mm, I can't lift that. Now, some lifts obviously don't push yourself too hard on. Like, you know, if you can't deadlift 500 pounds, there's not a huge benefit to doing that. But something like a kettlebell, right? 100 pounds. Maybe you're, okay, Brian's what? 160, 170 pounds. It, to him, it seemed like a lot. But I'm like, but your back is extremely strong. You can, you can, in fact, lift that. You can, in fact, challenge yourself. So if you're somebody who's conservative when it comes to lifting, I would encourage you to find safe modes of lifting, you know, um, almost like, like, you know, a weighted pull-up. It's like, oh, my God, I couldn't do a weighted pull-up with 45 pounds around my waist. Like, I can do 10. Try it. What's the worst that can happen with a weighted pull-up? You're not going to pull a bicep, unlike curling an excessive amount of weight where the uh, – you know, there's so much tension on that moment arm that you actually could injure yourself. A heavy pull-up's pretty safe. A heavy dip is actually pretty safe. Um, you know, a, a even a deadlift with a kettlebell because you're going to have to lift that sumo style with a more erect back. It's going to be a lot safer. So I'm saying this to encourage you because my mom can deadlift 92 pounds uh, I, I have my Onnit kettlebell that I left with her specifically so she can do this exact form of lifting. Uh, maybe not a one-arm uh, row, but she can, in fact, deadlift it for reps. So you can let my mom beat you? Is that what you're going to do? Huh? You can let my 72-year-old mom be stronger than you? I don't think so. So if you're scared of lifting, come on. Show me you're stronger than Evelyn. You know, maybe at this point in the podcast you're asking yourself, Mark, is kratom and microdosing mushrooms a dangerous mixture? To which I'll answer, of course not. Obviously, it's safe because I'm doing that right now. And if you wanted to get kratom for yourself to mix with your mushroom powder, however you procured that for yourself, none of my business, obviously, I would go to happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code FITBOY with three Cs for 20% off. You can mix, you can match, you can do whatever you want as long as you use responsibly. But I guarantee you order once, you're going to be coming back, especially if you're comparing to other websites out there as far as quality. There's just no competitor. HappyHippoHerbals.com, promo code THICKBOY for 20% off 
for the rest of your life. And hopefully your life gets elongated when we figure out how to annihilate those pesky P16 proteins without inducing cancer. You know, I've decided this is my favorite Oak and Stone shirt. Out of all the things that I have, it's versatile. It's, uh, I like the cut of it. I think I just look the best in it, to be honest with you, okay? And this is like a scoop neck, long sleeve, black with a little pocket here, just in case I wanna have a pen or something like that. But the material's fantastic. I've uh, uh, been telling you how good Oak and Stone clothing is for quite some time now. And a lot of you took advantage of it last month. And I'm still catching up with all the people who bought things. And I'm going to get on the phone. Hopefully this weekend, if not early next week, I will have gone through every single last person. And I'm also thinking of a new promotion to do this month for the end of September. I just don't know what it is yet, okay? It's going to be something cool. I want to offer something of value to you that you could actually uh, use. So maybe that's a workout plan. Maybe that's a nude photograph of me. Just kidding, guys. That would be crazy. But if you have ideas, put them in the comments or DM me directly because I want to offer something you uh, unique and special, kind of like Oak and Stone Clothing. So if you go to oakandstoneclothing.com and use promo code HELLA for 10% off at checkout, and then DM me with something that you would like. On top of that, maybe we can make it a reality. What do we got next? Oh, I know how to stop aging. I thought this was super interesting. If you started at 2.30, this is like just, you know, one of these little mind blowing, I like watching stuff like this and just going, damn, I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if you don't mind playing this on and then coming on it. One way to tackle aging is to prevent or inhibit senescence. That's when our cells stop growing and replicating and kind of become zombie cells. When you're young, your immune system clears them out easily. Zombies are bad, age, guys. The number of senescent cells increase in our immune system, its function decreases. So you get this tipping point where you start having too many senescent cells, not enough functional immune cells. These senescent cells bombard nearby cells, mm -hmm. releasing chemicals that break down connective tissue and trigger inflammation, which is the root cause of many age-related diseases like cancer, Alzheimer's, and heart disease. Yeah. So can we just get rid of those senescent cells? In 2016, a team of scientists did just that in mice. Senescent cells contain the protein P16. Scientists were able to create a drug that targets P16 specifically, killing senescent cells in the process. The mouse that received the drug was faster and stronger until the last few months before death. Its life was about a quarter longer, and it was also healthier. That discovery spawned a whole new chapter of research called senolytics, treatments that clean out those senescent cells. Everybody's jumped into this space. Google, in collaboration with AbbVie, started a company called Calico and put billions of dollars into developing drugs for healthy aging. That says, yes, people are believing that this is possible. There's a catch here, though. The P16 protein is also responsible for suppressing tumors. If we're clearing out these senescent cells regularly, it could trigger tumor and cancer growth. We're Oops. just not sure of the long-term impacts yet. Okay, but I think that's probably enough. So if you suppress the P16, then you might uh, not be able to control cancer growth or tumor growth. So that's a, there always seems to be like this trade-off, you know what I mean? Or even with growth, like growth hormone is anti-aging. 
but uh, some protests that I've heard from people even talking to Brian Callen, he was like, oh, I won't take it because, you know, when you're encouraging growth of new cells like that, you're also uh, incurring a potential risk for cancer or tumor growth. Now, I don't know if that has played out in actuality, like an actual reality. Are people experiencing an increased risk of cancer or is it just theoretical when it, with regards to growth hormone, but at the same time, um, you know, it's just something to think about that trade-off, uh, because, you know, another element of it is like, what's the opposite of the growth hormone pathway or the growth pathway is autophagy. And, uh, you can't be doing both at the same time. And so there's a lot of health benefits from both, but you can't be doing both at the same time. Uh, you can't be, you know, cleaning away all those dead cells and, and having your body eat itself while also on this, you know, growth hormone pathway. So there's something similar there. I thought it was really interesting, but, you know, also worth noting is just the fact that so many diseases come from inflammation. And I was also watching another video that we talked about last week, um, you know, exercise and the hierarchy of things, like, you know, compared to supplements and stuff like that. And exercise is one of these things that uh, reduces uh, or, or helps, you know, essentially combat almost every disease. So whether we're talking about cancer, heart disease, any form of, of inflammation, even though it might temporarily increase your inflammation in your body over time, it does help your body uh, regulate inflammation and and combat it in the long term, even if it might increase it in the short term due, due to muscular damage. So just something to think about. I love stuff like this because, uh, you know, it gives me hope that I'm going to live to 200. All right? That's that's why I'm doing it. Now, speaking of uh, aging prematurely, went to Wisconsin and... <laughs> <clears throat> God damn, Wisconsin loves their fried food. And I start to see, uh, I start to have a lot of empathy for the fact that, uh, you know, this is another discussion I wanted to have where, you know, you go, a message like Andrew Tate has or, or any sort of guy in the manosphere, they're essentially saying, it's up to you, it's your responsibility, take life by the horns, a Jordan Peterson, an Andrew Tate, a whoever this role model that you're looking towards as a guy, and you know the secret to um, why these guys become popular, it's like this radical individual approach to life because that's all you have control over, right? It's the opposite of taking a victim mentality. Now, on the other side of that, if you wanted to look at a broader uh, macro picture of what causes things like obesity. Well, you are in a society and in a neighborhood or in a state or a city or a culture in which you're being told that everything should be fried and that's okay and don't question this. So I just thought it was an interesting because compared to something like California, um, there just seems to be more healthy options available and everywhere we went, it was like, you know, okay, your options on the menu are cheese curds, jalapeno poppers. And it wasn't just like at the bar. It was like at the restaurant, you know, it's like everything's just fried food. Casey, maybe you've experienced this. I know you're not from. I'm not, Wisconsin. but I, I've, <laughs> I've been there. Um, and a lot of like places like it, like, uh, when I worked on the Dan Patrick show, we would do a week of shows leading up to the Super Bowl. So wherever the Super yeah. Bowl was, um, that year that's where we would do the shows from in a lot of places yeah. like that where yeah you go out to eat and it's like it's gnarly 
Yeah. I mean, it's delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, delicious. It's, it's, it's it's fun, but it's like. And that was the first time I had cheese curds, and they are delicious oh, yeah, and yeah. addictive and um, very easy to eat. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah, I would gain like 15 pounds every Super Bowl week. Yeah, we just it's be... just one of these things where I'm like, I know I'm stupid for not imagining this before because, uh, you know, it's a cliche that people like eat a lot of fried foods. And but almost in my mind, it was like, oh, they're eating that at the county fair, or these fried butter sticks yeah. are something that you like eat at, when you're at this special occasion. What struck me was, oh, no, no, this is a regular occurrence. This is is something you're inundated with, and it's more work to say, you know, look, I remember coming out of college and wanting to lose weight for the first time and trying to tell just my mom, like, stop making this Italian food for me, right? I don't want pasta and raviolis, and you're a wonderful cook, and you make amazing things that you learned from your mother, but please don't offer it for me. And it was so difficult you know, both for me to like just push it away, not eat it, because when you're presented with something that's like part of your upbringing, this comfort food or whatever it is, uh, it, it's very difficult to just say, I'm not going to do this. Like it's so, because everything around you is going, no, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's only in your mind. And so I empathize with that struggle where everybody around you is going, no, no, it's totally cool to eat the fried food or eat the pasta or go off your diet in some way. Um, because you have a different vision for yourself and a different goal. And then also for my mom, which I have a lot of empathy for, but I remember getting angry. I'm like, why can't you just not do this? But it's like, it's ingrained in her hard drive too to be like, this is an expression of my love and caring. Of course I'm cooking for you. And me just asking, don't do that anymore is sort of like asking your mom, hey, don't love me anymore, right? It's very difficult for them. So that was like on a micro level of like just in my household, I could hardly deal with this and eventually I did, but I just remember that was like, I'm like, ah, this unanticipated struggle of like overcoming the things that are around you. Like, sure, if I lived in a vacuum and, you know, I could just like type into a computer, here's the amount of food, you know, like anybody can lose weight if you just like lived in a jail cell and uh, you had somebody deliver 1500 calories to you every day, that's your only choice is to eat this stuff or starve. So of course you're gonna lose weight, but in the real world, we have to reckon with all these different variables, including the forces, both uh, you know, familial and societal, telling you, dude, it's okay, be like us, right? Because nobody's criticizing you. So in that instance, you just have to fat shame yourself, you fat piece of shit. Uh, stop eating pasta. Now, is that it? You know, I was just also gonna say, I'm sick this week and you know, I haven't, I worked out on the road. I worked out on Friday and Saturday. And then what is it now? Um, Thursday. Good God. I have not worked out. No, I did work out a little bit with Brendan on um, Tuesday. But other than that, I've been sleeping in. And I'm just going to announce it that I'm okay with that. And I, like, when you're sick, sometimes it's okay to just go like, yeah, I feel like sleeping a little bit more. And I've done that. Now, I don't plan on doing that forever. So it is a mental battle of like, oh my God, should I sleep until 8 a.m.? Yes, when you're an adult and you have things to do that is a long time to sleep in or if I'm getting up earlier than that normally to go work out, it is it is a battle with yourself where you're telling yourself that you're a fat, lazy piece of shit. Now, in my case, I actually am, but <laughs> hopefully that's temporary, okay? I, I couldn't even tell you were sick, by the way. You always really? come in with like 100% energy, 100% positivity. I couldn't tell you were sick. Really? Yeah. 
Thanks, Dayquil. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dayquil, mushrooms, uh, Diet Cokes, Rain Body Fuel. Exactly, yes. Brought to you by, you know, uh, the double dose of, I literally do just take, like, right off the bat, I take a double dose of Dayquil. I'm like, I can't, this is meant for a 110-pound person, um, 2.5 or whatever, 2.25. Um, you'll be totally fine. But I also, okay, I remember this funny story when I was a, also a freshman in college. My, this guy across the street, who I ended up becoming friends with, but at first he was like projecting onto me that I was like this homophobic football player. And he was a gay dude. And um, I remember he used to like avoid me. I'm like, why is this guy like avoiding me in the hallways? Um, but you know, just cause I beat up one gay dude like in the street and he saw that and it's like, dude, like he was, you know, kissing another dude in front of me. Obviously I'm kidding, stop. Don't take that out of context to ruin my career. But I'll remember this. Now, you know, like if Dave was here, I would say this in front of him. I remember when he got sick one time and he literally seemingly went through every person in his Rolodex and was like, oh my God, I'm so sick today. I'm, I have a cold. Oh, like, and I'd have, hear the same conversation like 30 times and I'm like, oh my God, like not everyone has to know that you're sick. And so that was a lesson to me of how boring it is to hear other people, like to, to hear another human talk about how sick they are. So from that point on, I just feel like if you're going to make it like a big mopey deal, like you might as well just call in sick and stay home, which I love doing. I love calling in sick, but sometimes a cold isn't quite worth it. Now, the question on everybody's mind that I wrote up here <laughs> in the morning, actually, I've, I've been thinking about, should I get into swimming again? I wanted, Brendan and I have talked about doing a triathlon and I actually, I want to do it. I used to swim competitively in high school and I was thinking about joining, uh, the local pool. Is that weird? I don't know, but I want to chase some of these like PRs that I had as a high school student. I feel like that in some ways might be equally or more gratifying than the weightlifting stuff that I've been doing because also I look at myself and go like, I'm not going to get that much stronger. You know, like I'm not going to chase, you know, as I approach 50, I'm not going to be like, I want a 700 pound deadlift or something, you know, like that. Like I've deadlifted 500 pounds. I've repped, uh, you know, high 300s. I just don't have the desire to like prove that I can do certain feats of strength. And I think it's more impressive to myself, probably because I remember doing swimming workouts and being like, this is the worst pain of my life. I hate everything about this. And I think that's what I want to conquer. Like, that's what I want to go back and be like, no, you can do this. And also when I was swimming, I was comparing myself to other people who like swam your round. And so they're just in better shape. And even though I might've been faster than some of the people who were like whooping my ass in practice, I still compared myself and like, it was unusually painful. I'm like, how are they getting through this whole thing? Like I have to get up and pee in the middle of, you know, did you ever swim Casey? No. Lame. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's more akin to like a CrossFit workout. You know what I mean? And maybe the first yeah. time you go to a CrossFit workout, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, how is everybody doing this? I also think psychologically, like when you're at practice, you have to do it. So it sucks, right? You're like, yeah. fuck, I have to do this. I have to get through practice. Whereas now, if you were to do it, you're choosing to do it. So you're almost reframing the exercise. Yes. Anyway. Right. Yeah. There wasn't this incentive of like, I like, it was the same way that I started to view school. I remember like, like it was like, how do I get through this rather than like, there's an inherent benefit to being excellent, yeah. you know, and like proving this to yourself. And, 
Um, that's how I already feel about weightlifting. It's like, it's not for anybody but me. I'm not like trying to cheat some weightlifting coach into thinking that I'm doing better than I did. But I used to like try to find ways to get like, just survive this uh, swimming workout because I felt like it was impossible for me to do it like as planned. And that may have been the case. Like, because again, if you're in way better shape um, and also training for some, I remember being like, okay, so you know, I'm doing, a, a, you know, a 50-yard freestyle. Like, why am I swimming at 200? What's the point of that? You know, it's like a power lifter. You're training for one rep, and this guy has got you doing, you know, 25 reps set. It didn't make sense to me. And Trust I like... the process. <laughs> Come on. You sound like a, exactly. a punk kid just, in practice. Yeah. Why are we swim? Why what? do we do 200? It's just lame. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like lame. <laughs> I'm also with this long hair, it's gonna be a nightmare. So when I show up all tan and with my hair shaved, you know what time it is, Daddy. Um, next up on the Hello Personality portion of the podcast, I just wanted to do a brief bit on S versus N types because I was talking the other day with Isaiah as we we're going through his apartment. And he was like, um, "Mark." makes the same mistake every time he gets off the elevator. He goes to the right. And I'm like, you're absolutely right because I don't pay attention to any of my surroundings wherever I go unless I'm forced to. Unless like you're like, Mark, you're leading this adventure. Then I would panic and like go on Google Maps to find out where apartment 214 is. But outside of that, I simply, I'm so quick to daydream. And the guy who we were with, uh, his name's Nap. He's been shooting some of the sketches for me and Isaiah. He was like, oh, I'm the same way. And then I'm like, oh, my little brother and Isaiah are like, like Isaiah's like, I've always been able to like mark things in my head. And, and I remember my little brother would do that like better than anyone in our family. And it turns out they both are S types. Now, I think this is an important distinction because it might be one of the biggest differences. And one of the, you know, people know introversion versus extroversion, but S versus N types it says so much about you. And if you scroll up a little bit, I just want to read the first part. Yeah. Uh, our second personality scale, and they call it intuitive versus observant. So N is the intuitive, observant is S. These traits describe what people are more likely to do with the information gathered from the world around them. Intuitive personality types rely on imagining the past and future potential of what they see. So I very quickly slip into imagination land. And uh, in that imagination land, I am rich and successful and younger than I am in reality. <laughs> Those with the observant style are more interested in observable facts and more straightforward outcomes. They prefer to avoid layering too much interpretation on what they see. So there are pitfalls to both of these things. Like, you know, for example, um, if you're like, even when coming up with sketches sometimes, like me and Isaiah are, are a classic and an S type and he'll have an idea like he has a really good way of being like I know exactly what it needs to be it's got to be like under a minute um you know we're gonna do it like this other thing that I've seen it's inspired by this and like I know how to shoot it and I'm kind of like well what if we made it meta and like broke the fourth wall and like made it three minutes long and like everything's like a hat on a hat and a hat and it's like you want a little bit of that but I can quickly go to crazyville and then it's like cool like who's gonna shoot this million dollar budget sketch that you just came up with versus Isaiah's like no, I, we can do this with one camera and like we don't even need a cameraman. I'm going to shoot it like this. So it, as far as like getting things done, the opposite of my personality is ideal. <laughs> um, but um, the trap there is also like then thinking outside the box. You know what I mean? So, 
now I think both types can do this. It's just like that's my go-to. And that does come in handy, but you know, not all the time. It's not always the best thing. So I like I think you should be able to like do both. You should practice whatever you're weak at and then also play to your strength and know that is your strength and know that's how you can like market yourself or be like, oh, I'm this guy. Now I can do both styles if forced to. Um 91% of those with the intuitive traits say they like to discuss different views and theories of what the world could look like in the future compared to 55% with the observant trait. Being intuitive doesn't mean somebody can't be practical and being observant doesn't mean a lack of imagination. They both use their minds and their physical senses as well. The difference is the spin they put on their experiences. It's with their thinking goes, uh, it's where their thinking goes after an encounter with their env environment. If intuitive personality types appreciate observant types practicality and observant personality type appreciates intuitive types imaginative perspective they can complement each other in ways that make for unbeatable partnerships and so that's what we're actually observing and i always have gone out of my way like this is the crux of why i think the mbti has been useful for me is when like an istj goes mm, we should do it like this because that's actually the right way to do it younger me might be like F you, like uh, I want to do it my way and, uh, you know, doing it backwards and upside down is the cooler way to do it and you're attacking me personally by suggesting that we do it the right way but sometimes the right way is just the right way and as I've said before, it's a matter of anxiety for them where they go, oh, there's just a lot of risk in not doing it the right way or the most efficient way or the most linear way. Um, 59% of those with the observant traits say they prefer art that has a clear theme message, a meaning over art that is, uh, or meaning over art that is vague and leaves too much to interpretation compared to 38% of those with the intuitive trait. And I love crazy art too, but also, like, I think there's a huge value in making something classic that's really well done. So I think that is, like... I, you know, uh, 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 something that I've come to appreciate is something that's simplistic and classic, but done to a super excellent level. People with the intuitive trait prefer to exercise their imagination as they seek new ideas and possibilities. Yes, new ideas and possibilities. It's just that if you get caught up in that, oh, it's going to be, you know, you can think of possibilities all day and never end up getting to anything. Um, they live their day-to-day. -day. Uh, is there anything else interesting here as I'm looking at the possibilities of this webpage? Um, <laughs> I think that's about it. We'll come back to this, you know, but I think it's important to know which type you are. And when I, for example, when I start talking about personality type to somebody and they get really interested in it, I know they're an N type because to an S type, it's like, Boring, like who are the actual people? What what actual people are we talking about? I don't want to talk about the theory of 16 different personality types that's boring until I actually meet the person. I want to go out and meet and know what this person is and maybe catalog, catalog that in my mind, but I don't need to like sit there and jerk off about the theory of it. I want to jerk off in front of that person. Okay, so a lot of people have been asking me, Somebody asked me yesterday, these are two steroid questions. Um, I'm also going to try to get optimal test levels. Any advice before I go in or what to ask for? And um, my answer was, what you want to say is go to the doctor and say, hello, can I have steroids? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, ha ha, well, that's, 
the approach I was going to go with, but I don't know if that would be frowned upon. I said, are you in the U.S.? He says, no, up in Australia. Okay, okay. so since you're in Australia, the technique I'd recommend is going to the doctor and saying, oh, I can't, look, mate, I've been wanting to get big like Hitler Mike Harley. Can you prescribe me some of the testicle juice extract? Nice. And that's just the absolute got him of it all. Mm-hmm. Never again shall he question me. Okay, <laughs> help, I'm on steroids. Two people this week have given me these last minute like, okay, I'm going to go through this one and then I'm going to go through another one. Where I'm like, guys, like, okay, first of all, I know some stuff about anabolics. I don't know how to like cheat tests, all right? <laughs> What's good, Harley? Uh, I have a blood test tomorrow to hop on the TRT train. Good for you. I've been looking if and how you should try and lower your test levels the day of the test, but it seems to be a lot of conflicting information. Any advice on if you should try and lower your levels before testing. If so, what actually works? Like, if that's your desire to, like, because I guess most guys, like, they're not looking at it as a medical issue. Like, oh, my God, I'm, like, wondering what's happening. Oh, my God, I have no test. It's like, they're kind of like, I want to get on test. Therefore, like, how do I manipulate my results to get that? And that's why I'm always like, just figure out the dark web and then just do it. It's going to be a lot cheaper. That's That would be my approach to things. But, again, I'm an N-type, and you might not be. You want to follow the rules. Um, and I'm like, by tomorrow, not sure. Don't sleep, drink alcohol. Now, those are sort of facetious, but at the same time, those uh, might work, right? Drinking alcohol, not getting enough sleep. These are classic things that if you came to me and told me, like, I'm not getting any gains. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? I'm not sleeping every night and I'm drinking alcohol. That would suppress your test, right? Casey, do you have any idea of how to suppress your testosterone? <laughs> No, I don't fuck. Uh, You're like as uh, alpha male Chad who constantly has high testosterone. <laughs> I just wouldn't even. It's not something that I've ever had to concern myself with. Now, the second guy, I don't have the screenshot I look for, but sometimes you know, I just I'm such a popular Instagrammer who posts so many memes that people put heart reactions to that these messages get lost in the fray. But he hits me up, and I feel bad because he was like, I was consulting him about getting on test and uh, before the, the season and yada, yada. And I felt like, oh, here I am doing my due diligence. But then he comes to me, he's like, I'm getting tested tomorrow from the NCAA. Like, how do I get out of this? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, I sent him a link for the Wizinator so you can have a, a fake cock to pee in this cup. But he's like, well, it's kind of like tomorrow I need it. I'm like, ah, I don't know. You need to give me a lot more information as far as like, is somebody literally going to watch your dong as you pee? Sounds kind of hot. I don't know. Um, but he, he, like, I wanted to know, like, are you sure you're going to be tested? Is the whole team going to be tested? Is it going to be randomly selected? Is it going to be for, is it just for weed or other drugs? Is it definitely for steroids? Because that is a different test, right? So I want to help people, but also, like, this is not my expertise. There are, however, things online. There are experts online that can help you navigate these situations. But the most important thing to be, like if you're, for example, if you came out, you're like, oh, my parents are drug testing me because I got caught smoking weed. I wouldn't assume that that test also includes like a battery of anabolics. And even when you're doing testosterone, my understanding is that they have more sophisticated tests that can detect exogenous testosterone in and of itself. But the less sophisticated tests are testing your ratio of testosterone to epitestosterone. And there's actually a pretty big margin there. So if you were to beat the test versus saying like, you know, I remember taking Nandrolone and being like, wow, if they tested me, like this is in your system for 18 months. Now, testosterone, they can't measure that same, or at least they couldn't when I was taking it uh, back in the day and might have been tested. 
and that's just an easier one to beat. Just stop taking it if you know you're going to be tested. But I, again, I just felt bad because it was like I felt like I put somebody in this situation, and that's not necessarily true. But like, you just if you're wanting to do this, you know there's a chance you're going to get tested. Like, be an internet sleuth, go online, um, buy a fake dong. That's all I got to say. Or you could do the John Jones method. Oh yeah, just hide under the cage. Just hide under the bleacher for yeah. 12 hours. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be ways around, it, right? Yeah. Like, even just to buy yourself, like, an, like you know, if you're like, oh, my God, there's an emergency, like, you know, my grandma died. Like, you can think of something. So that's why I wanted, like, as much information from this kid as possible to be like, what are we dealing with exactly? I want to help you strategize. But, like, even the difference between are you, you know, I remember beating, like, because I was smoking weed at the time. I got this, like, hotel job. And. They made you go get a drug test. Well, you just go to the doctor's office or whatever, and you like go into a room, and I have this like fake piss powder that you put water in. Do you ever done that before? Because you've never done drugs in your life. No. no. Well, <laughs> I, it's funny because no. I don't smoke weed, but I've had. Uh, I'm probably like the only one of my friends who doesn't. Yeah. And so I've been the clean piss. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. The, I'm the. And so I'm that's the ideal, guy. right? Yeah. Because even having this like container in my, I'm like, if this guy like pats down my cargo shorts, he's gonna find the fake piss powder in my pockets. So. Uh, being, Big, bigger issue is you wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> you got to get that figured out I first, know. then figure out the I'm trying to think, I'm like, <laughs> was this part of my repertoire in 2013, or is this just like, oh, good thing I didn't throw away these cargo shorts. Let's just go with that, even though it's probably the uh, the former. So, But that worked totally fine. And, um, you know, I remember him taking my blood pressure, and I was super nervous about it. He's like, blood pressure a little spiked. I'm like, I, I don't know where that could possibly come from. <laughs> Definitely not for me. Faking this drug test to get this bellhop job. Um but, you know, that is the difference. Like, if they allow you to go in a room and, and, like, pee, then that's the world of difference versus even standing behind you because having a fake dong, like, you could stand up with a cup and it sounds like it versus, like, just, like, oh, like splashed in there. It's like, well, that was an interesting sound for somebody peeing out of a tiny uh, urethra. But, um, you know, these things make the – I know in, like, the, the – uh, in the Olympics, they probably like actually look at your penis, which is super weird, right? To think about, you're like, I, no, seriously, could you not look directly at my yeah. genitals as I pee? I'm a grower, not a shower. Uh, let's get on to this why we can't have nice genitals. <laughs> <laughs> but to the uh, to the fans of haters, will say if you need clean piss, just message Mark. Yeah, I'll be happy to send me, you some piss. You know. Um, I'll have Casey piss in a cup. And it's just a to totally normal uh, chain of uh, transaction here. You know, you ask me, I ask Casey, he pees, I take it. I do whatever I want with it before getting it to you. There might be a delay of a few days. Okay. The first one, oh yeah. Me, my socially awkward ass wondering if I should ask for a spot or just risk it. It's Jay Cutler looking gigantic. You forget how big some of these, like the Olympia level, level bodybuilders were. Um, and also his face is so gigantic too. Like, look at how big his chin and jaw is. Like, that's one thing where I'm like, when I get bigger, I'm like, my face isn't that big compared to the rest of my body to support all of this mass. I have a normal to small size face. So if I get any bigger, it just looks like I have a tiny head. And guys, don't have tiny head syndrome, all right? Also, this reminds me of my buddy Todd. He's always hitting 315 on bench or incline, and he's always complaining about how people fuck up his spot. He's like, oh, my God, this guy touched it. I'm like, then don't use a spot because then guess what? You can either hit 315 on incline or die. The choice is yours. Now, are we still in 2022 and people are snapping rubber bands on their cooters? Why, yes, we are. But here's an explanation for why this happened because she looks like she's trying to kip. She, like, 
you know, she's in one of these black box CrossFit gyms. And I think, you see, you see what I'm saying? I'm like, now, is this funny or not? Should I post this? Yes, it is. Because instead of just putting her foot all the way down and putting pressure on there and keeping it stable in order to assist her, she seemingly goes for a kipping pull-up, uh, which results in rubber on the vajayjay. Yeah, the vag slap. And it's all her. Maybe that's a thing of CrossFit where it's like she can't unlearn that movement pattern. Right, so that's just yet another downside of kipping pull-ups. This guy is like security cam footage. He's got a kettlebell, practicing. What is that motion? A hammer throw, I guess. Right, but he's indoors. It's like, what did you expect to happen? So he's like, oh my god, what? The kettlebell that I threw hit something in this indoor gym. That's so crazy and unexpected. Um, and it looks pretty heavy. Like, it doesn't, like, fly out of his hands. It wouldn't surprise me if it's, like, I don't know, 50. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But he fucks something up in that gym for sure. And he's uh, – it's funny because he's, like, 300 pounds and is, like, probably walks around that gym like he owns a place until he destroys one of the lighting fixtures. Now, look, I posted this the other day. I love Beetlejuice memes. It's <laughs> just the funniest thing. Uh, Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern Show says, me walking into work knowing I bench press more than all of my bosses, therefore I technically legally own the company. Now, I just posted that, and then somebody goes, what about Brendan? And I'm like, oh, okay, you're going to ruin all my fun <laughs> by pointing out that Brendan bench presses more than me. Any other company, this would work, you guys. Any other company but Thick Boy Studios. Okay, and now there's a little video where this guy is like doing a sort of sissy squat motion where he's focusing on his quads. It's not illegitimate, right? He's going all the way down. Somebody puts a metal water bottle under his ass. Now, it's funny and all, but I swear it made me think if I was there squatting and somebody put like a metal object under my asshole, I would be furious. I'd say fair play. i say fair. Like if, if, if this video was me and it ended with me just attacking whoever was in the nearest proximity to me, You'd be like, well, Mark said it on Haters Will Say, don't try to prank his ass while he's, because when you're working out, like, what is that? You're like, I just, as I've probably explained before, a lot of my silliness leaves my body when I'm in a gym. And I get, I'm like, I will get irritated with people like making jokes or being silly with me at the gym because I'm like, this is not the time or the place with it. And then I'm like, Mark, you're a huge hypocrite because in 99% of your outside life, you're trying to inject silliness and waste other people's time. And now all of a sudden, when it comes to muscles, you don't want to mess around. But that's just my personal preference. So I know I look at that and go like, I, if somebody like my gym partner or one of my friends did that, like I might get so mad that I'd have to leave the gym, you know, cause I'm like, I'm going to be violent with somebody. Um, and I'm just going to, but I'm going to remove myself. I'm not going to act out. I'm going to remove myself, switch gyms, move cities. And that's the end of Mark Harley at LA Fitness when you're struggling to get that last rep. But you remember other dudes have felt her nose against their waist. Now, Casey, what does that sound like to you? Um, like, um, she may be like sucking a wiener. Like sucking a wiener. Something like that. <laughs> this little, ah, uh, mm -hmm. Right. Now, I don't know. I've never had that. As, guys always talk about this. You never had your wiener sucked? <laughs> yes. No, I've never had. I don't know what a nose feels like against there. It's just too big. Um, I've never had that, like, actual motivation of being like, this girl broke my heart, and I'm using that for the gym. Maybe because I'm motivated in different ways. 
um, you know, like being a closet homosexual really goes a long way. <laughs> like that, that, you know, and it just trumps everything. Um, so in that case, your nose would be up against. Way so against, yeah. That when you remember, my nose was against his <laughs> stomach. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, apparently that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> when you remember when you remember some other dude has their nose against his stomach right now <laughs> um okay this is like this is funny but it's also sad a 12 year old did this because his mom took his phone if you can see this video right now it looks like a demolition crew came in here and like it's it's at first glance i'm like oh this crazy video like i want to go back and then i Watched it again, like I, I flipped to another video, and I came back, and I just wanted to include this, um, because if you play the the sound, like you can hear the woman's voice, like oh my god, like she's like crying. It's like yeah, the kid destroyed her entire house, but also, like I go now that probably wasn't like the first time you've had a discipline issue, right? It wasn't the first time you knew that this phone was an issue. And I remember, you know, like kids freak out when you take their video games or whatever. Um, but like, I just, I wanted to show this because this is what happens if like, for example, if somebody took my kettlebell away, you know, like this, oh, this, hundred pound kettlebell right here, if you were to take this away, okay? If you tried taking this fucking bad boy away, at any time, I will take it back <laughs> and then destroy the entire Thick Boy studio with this 100-pound kettlebell that you can't hide from me because me and this 100-pound kettlebell are linked at the soul. Do you understand me? So don't even try it. It's not funny. It's not a good joke. You will end up getting your entire studio destroyed. Understand? Thank you.